0: Well, the Doctor Who podcast is more than a machine, Tegan.
1: It's like a person who needs coaxing, persuading, encouraging...
2: This is the Doctor Who podcast and in this episode we will be looking at a few of the recent Big Finish releases that form what is known as the Klein Trilogy. We'll be talking about the three stories that comprise this trilogy and we'll also be having a fantastic interview with John Ainsworth and Alex Mallison who are involved with uh, the Klein Trilogy and of course all sorts of other fantastic stuff over at Big Finish Towers. Stick with us. Is that a duck like being shot with an elephant gun or something? Or? <laughs> I, was try- I was trying to do the TARDIS sounds. Like. <laughs> that's just amazing. Said it sounded like a duck sort of mid-quack being shot by an elephant gun.
3: It did a bit, didn't it?
2: Not that I have any like firm, practical basis for knowing what that sounds like. If it ever did happen, I think then that's what it would sound like. You don't want to, hit a- you don't want to shoot a duck with an elephant gun, do you? Because it's it- it- it just
3: like... Totally destroy the duck. It's a bit of an overkill,
2: isn't it? And it, and it wouldn't taste very good. Mm. It would sort of defeat the purpose, wouldn't it? I want to go down to Azure and get some duck for lunch now. But speaking of ducks... Yes. It's time to talk about a few of the fantastic releases from the fantastic bods at Big Finish Towers. Um, These have been out for a little while and we've been quite remiss in not getting around to talking about them, but we're going to be talking about the Klein Trilogy. For those that don't know what it is, there's a a story from very, very early in the Sylvester McCoy run of Big Finish Audios called Colditz, and it had a character in it by the name of Klein, who was a German officer who seemed to know more about what was going on than uh, seemed quite possible for someone from uh, that particular story, which was set during World War II. She was such a fantastic character that the uh, big Finnish boys decided to bring her back and give a whole trilogy to her. So in this episode, we'll be talking about her original story, Coldits, and the three stories that comprise um, this fantastic new trilogy, A Thousand Tiny Wings, Survival of the Fittest, and The Architects of History. And I've been remiss in not saying hello, Tom. Hello, (laughs) Shrev. I forgot you were hiding there in the corner there. That's okay. I'm perfectly <laughs> happy. All right, well, we should get into talking about these stories. And first, let's uh, hear from James, who has done a review of the story that started it all back way back at the beginning of the McCoy run of Big Finish Audios, Colditz.
1: Right, thanks, Trev. I'm joined once again by Luke from the Minute Doctor Who podcast. Hello, Luke. Thanks for returning so soon. Hello, James. It's good to be back. This time we're going to be talking about a very early Big Finish release, Coldits. This was released all the way back in 2001, notable for a number of reasons. Um, What's your background on Big Finish, Luke? Have you been into them? Are you following them still?
4: Uh yeah, no well I, I haven't really listened to them for a while. I uh I used to borrow them off a friend uh and then I moved away to uni and, and my friend was obviously not in the same city as me. I, I got mm. up to the beginning of the uh, second or third Paul McGann season, I think. Um but I also um bought the Dalek Empire, the first couple of Dalek Empire series, which I really enjoyed. Mm. Uh love dipping back into those. But um as to Big Finish's recent output, I'm I'm it's a mystery really. So it was nice to revisit this one, which was obviously one that I listened to when it when it came out back before Doctor Who came back to the TV. Mm,
1: indeed. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're actually reviewing this now is because some of the recent Big Finish output has decided to take elements of Cold It and expand it into a brand new trilogy. So for me, it was interesting to revisit after all these years as well. I have a feeling I've only ever heard this one on two occasions and the last time I heard it was probably two or three months or so ago. So, um, some of the detail, I think I'm going to be relying on you for Luke really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they all kind of merge into one. What's your feeling, given that you've only heard this well, in the last couple of days or so?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I on the whole, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, uh, I remembered the odd detailed general basic arc from, uh, from when I listen to it the first time and and the cliffhanger in particular to episode two was one that i saw coming because i was like i remember what's happening here but it's one of those rare episodes for doctor who really where time travel actually plays a big role in the Mm. plot Mm. um and i I, i'm a big fan of those kind of episodes even though you it takes a while to kind of wrap your head around it (laughs) but yeah really enjoyable kind of taking the idea of the tardis landing somewhere and the doctor losing it, and it and it changing history. This kind of mm-hmm. artifact, this high technological artifact, um, changing history. And obviously, in this case, it's uh, the Nazis winning the war. So, yes. um, <laughs> it's 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 an interesting interesting uh, play. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and again, like Mark Gatiss says, I I love the old war movies, and, and this is uh, again the Doctor Who spin on uh, escaping from colditz. Um, yes. So uh, really enjoyed that element of it too. Mm, No, I have to admit, I thoroughly enjoy, well, particularly The Seventh Doctor
1: in really, really serious settings. Uh, In the Second World War, I mean, clearly you you can't really get much, much more serious. There are other plays as well uh, that he features in far more bloody and more graphic wars. But but fundamentally, um, I I agree with you, your initial point that you made about um, time travel being central to the plot of this story is absolutely correct um, and i have a feeling it's the very first time that big finish really attempted to tackle that kind of story uh, normally um i don't know whether or not this this chap who i'm thinking about had not come to big Finish's attention in 2001 but that kind of story is taken care of by jonathan morris um, he, he absolutely loves writing stories that uh, play around with time travel. Uh, but this one's written by Steve Lyons, who's been a long-time contributor to uh, many different forms of Doctor Who um, over the years. Books, plays and all manner of other things as well. And I like to think that it's only going to be a matter of time before we actually see a, a fully-fledged script for the new series from Steve Lyons. But yes, yeah, so at, at what point, Luke, uh, when you were listening to this, did you start to think... Hang on, something is really not quite right here. There's going to be a major twist. soon.
4: I mean, I, I it's difficult to say because, as I say, I, I I knew what the major major twists were from from when I first listened to it back in two thousand and one, and that's obviously a long time ago. Um, and I, I can't remember how much of the the preamble that I'd read in Doctor Who magazine before it came out to know what was going to happen, but um, I think the um, particularly the one one element of it I'd forgotten, and and when a certain name was uttered in in German. Uh I think in in episode 3 or 4 you then realize the tw- the the kind of the last twist as it were. I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. say any more but it's something to do with a major character's identity and you think aha I know what's going on here. Um mm-hmm. and I really liked like that. So if if you listen out for a particular German name um you you'll probably get the twist. But just just the the general idea of it kind of coming round on itself and 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 not I, I i still can't quite work out where the loop of time begins in the story and, and, and whether it kind of fully hangs together but to be honest uh i think it's such an entertaining story that um it, it just works what one other point that, I, that i'd love to bring up is um one of the uh, the guest actors and I, I had no idea who this chap was the first time i listened to this and uh and i'd forgotten what he sounded like and obviously this time i went into it knowing that one of the nazis was played by none other than david tennant um and so it was very very strange to hear yeah. this uh dearly departed doctor playing a, a vicious bastard basically um <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely I mean I, I didn't know who he was at the time
1: either I mean why would we I mean he wasn't particularly famous in 2001 um, however when I listened to it more recently when of course you know he's in it then I mean despite the fact he's putting on an extremely strong German accent he doesn't completely succeed in covering up his Scottish accent <laughs> so he's kind of Scottish German to me
4: yeah it, it is it is a strange voice and obviously obviously at the time i just thought well this is just some actor doing a german accent and obviously when you know it's david Tennant, you come with various preconceptions and so i think yeah. to some extent that destroyed some of the character for me actually because yeah, i was like too. i can't quite believe in you as an evil person anymore <laughs> um even though he, he 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 is through and through and um Gets his his comeuppance in a rather vicious way at the end. Yeah, he is
1: a ra- he is a rather nasty piece of work, and um, Big Finish had a had a habit of casting David Tennant in particularly nasty or brutal roles. Yeah. Um. So when you consider that he actually went on to become the main protagonist in in Doctor Who, then you know that's quite an about turn.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it gives a good picture of of his range because I I think some people are not a bit not a big fan of his acting as the doctor but actually i think he is he is very good and he he does play a range of of parts very very well just his his recent departure as the doctor kind of Clouded it for me. I think
1: moving on to talking about Sophie Aldred's portrayal, obviously there's a bit of a connection with Ace and Nazis from the TV series with uh, with silver nemesis, and although they're never really referred to directly in Curse of femric it's yeah. set around the Second World War. How did you feel Ace's or Sophie Aldred's portrayal uh, came across in this particular play? Because I thought it was very strong.
4: It, it, I suppose in the play you've got only the two female characters. You've got uh, the main bad guy is a woman uh, called Klein. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a bit. And obviously Sophie Aldred. So she's very much holding her own corner uh, in amongst uh, the, the, the the German prison warders and the uh, British prisoners of war who are like, who the heck is this Is this woman? And I guess they just assume that she's some kind of spy, um, which is why they help her. But it, she's very much kind of having to fight, which is, I think, a lot of the time what Ace was doing on, on screen as well. Um, and obviously there's a progression for the character. This is the the first story in which he decides to drop the Ace and become mm. just McShane, um, which I think at the time I thought, ooh, not really sure about that. Um, mm. But I, I think it does kind of work as a, as a character progression. And I think uh, I've always liked Ace and I think Sophie works very well on audio um, and and always gives a good performance. Yeah,
1: I think she works considerably better on the audio than her early portrayals on the TV series as well, because she just took what she'd done with the character in the last couple of stories and, and and ran with it. And I think it's almost seamless. I mean, you can actually tell there are some differences between some of the Doctor's portrayals, most notably Colin Baker. He is a slightly different version of the Sixth Doctor in these big finished plays. But Ace, I think, is the most believable of the characters in terms of where they've taken her. And uh, I, I think this is the start of quite a large story arc for, for Ace, where she goes through calling herself McShane, which I, I I think it worked in this particular play, but it doesn't work as a story arc. And as soon as they got back to calling her Ace again, I was actually quite pleased. Um, but on the whole, I, I thought this was an extremely strong story for both Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred, and uh, yeah, I thoroughly definitely. enjoyed re-listening to it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: yeah it was definitely a, a, a nice trip down memory lane negative aspects i would say that there are some aspects of the music which work and some that are just horrendously Hmm. intrusive (laughs) (laughs) and and there is always that limitation of of the of the big finish format it's um it's kind of like thunderbirds in that regard in that when you're a kid and you watch it you don't realize that it's the same voice actors every week Um, (sighs) and obviously although you get different guest actors for each of the big finish plays there are some people that just crop up time and again. And uh, Toby Longworth playing the, uh, the the Camp Commandant was one of those voices, and I'm just like, oh man, he's great, I love him, but he's just in so many of these things.
1: Uh, he's not anywhere near as recognisable as Nick Briggs, um, particularly in the early Big Finish plays, where he features as practically every single computer, every single robot, and pretty much every single monster. Mm. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a problem with uh, with with Toby Longworth. I thought he was uh, I thought he was reasonably believable. Okay, and the reason as to why we've actually gone back and revisited this particular play is because Klein, uh, you mentioned her earlier, Luke, is is the main villain, and apparently was so intriguing to Big Finish they just had to come back and revisit her. Now, for me, I don't think this character stands out particularly as anything different or a cut above all of the other characters that they were coming up with in different plays so it was somewhat of a surprise to me that they they decided to, to to bring her back but having said that there are some questions that are simply not answered in this play so i suppose that must have been the basis for them deciding to revisit that era
4: yeah i mean she is the the, the one loose end uh that e- even though the uh the whole time paradox is sorted out by the Doctor at the end. She is still hanging around in our 1945. And so you're like, w- well, what did happen to her? And and the Doctor kind of seems to gloss over that at the end. So that was a, mm. a, a loose end that they could, if they chose to, come back to. And obviously they have now. Um, mm. I, I haven't listened to any of the new plays, so I don't really know where they've gone with that story. <laughs> it's quite interesting. And you'll hear... Tom and Trev
1: talk about it as soon as we've finished. <laughs> um, okay, that's about it, I think, uh, for, for Cold um You can pick this up for £5 at the moment at bigfinish.com. Worth the money, Luke? Oh, definitely for a fiver, I would I would buy it. No, I'd, I'd fully endorse that view as well. If you're a fan of Sylvester McCoy's Doctor, then you certainly won't be disappointed with this release. Thanks very much, Luke, for joining us for a very brief review of Cold It's been a pleasure. Thanks for asking. And we'll speak to you again very soon, I'm sure. Back to Trev and Tom. Thank you, James.
2: Well, Tom, it's now our uh, task to talk about the uh, stories that brought Klein back to the uh, big Finnish audios. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, all, although they're three separate stories and can be listened to separately and, and totally individually and isolated, they really do form a trilogy of stories that that see the progression of the Klein character, not only from her original um, story in in, in colditz, but all the way through these three stories, where where she becomes a companion of the doctor.
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the way Big Finish are laying these stories out at this point in time because you it, it's quite uh, an extended listen if you go for the whole sto- the whole three story arc, but it is very rewarding as well. Um, I think it's been said before that maybe big Finish are now um, looking to not so much looking to cultivate new fans but to serve an existing fan base which is kind of obvious from the way these stories are laid out but it doesn't take anything away from them they're really well produced the characters are very strong uh, perhaps we should get straight into it and talk about a thousand tiny wings um, I, I really liked the the mix of pseudo historical because it's set at the uh, time of the Mau Mau uprising in Africa with bass under siege. So it, 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 it's, it's astonishing. The sound design for the whole play is very, very good because it gives you a very strong sense of being there uh, in the environment. And, and again, you've got these great characters which do, I was going to say leap off the page, but do leap out the stereo because they're so well written. Um, of course, you've got, you've got uh, the reintroduction of Klein after the uh, Colditz story. What, 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 what do you make of her character?
2: It, it's an interesting story for me, Thousand Tiny Wings, merely because when... I found out that that they were bringing Klein back. I was waiting for the entire story to go, well, when's the shoe going to drop? When is she going to turn evil? When is she going to do something really bad? The fascinating thing about this story is she really doesn't. She's the, the victim of the circumstance that they have. I mean, it's really like a sort of a base under seed story to a certain extent. It has this small group of near defenceless people which only have the doctor to help them. And... It, it was fascinating that, that we really didn't get in this story Klein having an avenue to be evil and duplicitous and just downright bad, but she had to be like, you know, the sort of you know, struggling heroine, someone who was just as in danger as the people in this uh, well, mansion or house were. Well, you know,
3: it, it's interesting. The, uh, we talked about the Myths and Legends box set a couple of episodes ago, and I like that Doctor Who will make us think. And what I liked about A Thousand Tiny Wings is it really hammered home the idea that evil and good are a totally relative concept. Um, you know, your, our idea of, oh, Klein's evil was an Nazi she must be evil. It's like, actually, no. This story gives you an, uh, another perspective on that. Um, the Mau Mau Uprising, here are, here are the ladies trapped in the, uh, in the house, and here are the Mau Mau coming. Oh, here's an obvious hero, here's an obvious villain, but actually, no. Then again, then we've got the introduction of the alien, and of course, the thousand tiny wings. I'm trying not to give too much away for people who haven't uh, listened to this, but again, it, it does that thing that I think makes me a fan of Doctor Who, in as much as it makes me think and to question my own motivation as I'm experiencing, experiencing the story. So the thing I took out of this, uh, without getting too far into it, is that evil and good are, are very much a relative concept. Uh, and Sylvester McCoy, I've got to say, puts in a very strong performance as the seventh Doctor, which is mm. something I've, I've got. It's only a personal thing. I think he's kind of lacking in some of his um, big finish work. But here, he's very much the Doctor. It's a fine actor doing a fine job.
2: I think for me personally, it's 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 not only an interesting concept between good and evil, it's, it's also probably a, a very thought-provoking and maybe even controversial topic to talk about. Because yeah. if you say to certain people, and probably not even people that might might necessarily have been involved with World War Two, yeah. if you say to some people, oh, the Nazis were good people as well as being ruthless people, yeah. you, you will get some very, very strong opinions. And one of the things that comes out, out of this trilogy of stories is that – even a Nazi can be redeemed. And it's one thing that I think they're they're, they're really starting to set up with this initial story, that we have a Nazi that's been set up already as being a a cold, calculating woman, Hmm. but we're seeing another side to her in the story that makes us reevaluate our misconceptions or no, um, Do you know, I think you're right.
3: It's just about your point of view. Because, okay, well, we'll, just to put this into a little bit of context, let's think about um, Vampires of Venice. For us, the Doctor is a hero. But as far as the um, the Saturnines, the Saturnines are concerned, he is Armageddon. He's destroying the entire race. Um, and as um, the, the the sister of the water says, can you deal with another dead race on your hands? Um, and you know, if we bring it, if we bring it back back into context, Klein thought she was doing the right thing. If we all it takes is just a little bit of adjustment to see that well, she's just looking to save herself and her own ideology. That in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, it, it really is just down to point of view. Don't get me wrong; I'm not in any way trying to say that what the National Socialists were doing was in any way redeemable. But it is a, it is important that we look at it in context and
2: from both sides. It's an interesting series of stories that we're really in this trilogy following the the character of Klein hmm. and whether she will be able to redeem herself. That that the choices she makes in these stories will will guide her ultimate fate. Totally removing it from the whole, you know, sort of Nazi aspect. That we we can have a character in these stories that. Can decide her own fate; that it, it isn't tied in with the fact that she happens to be German, and that she happens to be um, a, a, a German during one of the worst times in history to be a German.
3: It's a, it's a difficult time, you know, but we have to put it in context. Um, yeah, but you know, bring it into doc- bringing it back to Doctor Who. I like that she's very much aware of how the universe perceives perceives her because she's from an, an alternate timeline, if you like. Um, mm. And the Doctor is giving her the choice to change the way things are or have been, which is a choice that I think he, as a character, has to make almost daily. And it's interesting to see how uh, this human being who's been touched by time travel makes their choices. It's it's almost, it's selfless and it's selfish, um, which I think is brought out more
2: in the second story. Yes, you're absolutely right, uh, Tom. Um, survival of the Fittest deals with... Uh, Klein travelling with, with the Doctor to her first alien planet, I suppose, and um, dealing with this race of insect-like creatures that um, really allows her, her character to make some interesting decisions that do parallel the way Nazi Germany were, you know, sort of dealing with their decisions during World War II. So, I mean, it's really more real-life parallels for, for, for the listener to be really, really challenged about their, their conceptions of the Klein character especially those people who have followed her all the way back since when uh, Colditz was first released.
3: You know, I was, I was put in mind of Sutek when I was listening to the well episode one of this, as you know, is very much about fleshing out the character of Klein and telling us about her backstory and uh, mm. her love mm. and, and what's brought her into the way of the Doctor. Um, I, but the thing about Sutek that sprang to mind was um, his line, Your evil is my good. So again, it's just about well what what you know what angle are we coming at this from um but- but uh, uh, we've got to be honest the, one of the greatest things about survival of the fittest is that it's, ooh, I don't want to give too much away. There's a very good central character in it, um who you would expect to be there if you've had cold dips and and for, and whom it is a joy to hear in the same story as Sylvester McCoy.
2: is that dancing around it enough? I think you're being. Pretty uh, vague about it there, Tom. Yes, yes, yes. But listen to the first episode of this story, and, and you'll be in for a pleasant surprise—a yeah. very pleasant surprise. It, brilliant! Uh, it, it, it's good to hear Johann Schmidt
3: uh, playing a part in this story. Definitely.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> really, really clever use of time travel, which, um, which, which I think Big Finish often do very, very well, mm. and uh, certainly for Survival of the Fittest, it, it has a really interesting first episode. One that. When I first listened to, it, I thought, "Well, what's this all about?" It's, it sounds like a companion chronicle type format, with the with with one character recounting almost in uh, written format what happened to him or mm. her. But mm. uh, yeah, it 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 really fleshes us out well, and and it sets up quite aptly, I think. You know, the rest of the story with the decisions that the character makes and um, what ultimately happens at the end of this story sets up the uh, third and and last story in this trilogy which is where the 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 real action happens uh, architects of history
3: yeah 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 see my problem sometimes with Doctor Who is this is is not is the idea of the time travel element we the way it's presented to us is it's presented in a really easy simple we get in TARDIS we go back in time kind of way But we have to understand that every time there is a... In the fiction, of course, every time there's a change made in the past, it affects the future, and we get branching, and we get timelines. And I think this story, almost more than any other... Well, apart from next week's episode on TV um, deals with what happens if you make a set of cho- if you make a specific set of choices and both timelines are running concurrently. It's because uh, well, and, and this, is the, this is the choice that Klein has to make. And this is the choice that I think the doctor has to make all the time that he finds so difficult. Um, well, what do I destroy so that this lives? Can I? How do you make that decision? And what do you base it? What experience do you base
2: it on? Architect's history is a fascinating story for me because it it really finally, after two stories, gets to the story that I was really expecting the whole trilogy to be about: hmm. duplicitous, bad, evil Klein. And um, the the doctor is entrapped at the beginning of this story, and he pretty much spends most of the story. Um, forcing Klein to make a decision whether the, the timeline that she believes to be the correct one is, is the one that should continue or whether she should trust in the Doctor and say, well, um, e- even though I despise you and I've been working against you all this time, um, the timeline that you believe in should be the one that should continue. And it, it's this story, I think, that really gives Klein the most character development of the entire trilogy because it, it really forces her to make some very important decisions. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, it, it's interesting. I mean, I keep drawing parallels with the uh, with the
3: televised series as well. But again, what's highlighted for me in this story is the, the nature and power of choices. It's interesting that the Doctor is trying to make Klein make a very important choice, almost to absolve himself. But it's to her great credit that she manages, in, in the death of it, to put the choice back on the Doctor, Um It's interesting. I mean, you know, parallels to to this story. I mean, obviously, again, I'm trying not to give anything away, but interesting parallels to this story would be perhaps looking at Inferno uh, and seeing the way that um, Liz Shaw's character, the the alternate Liz Shaw, is redeemed uh, at the very end. But that doesn't take anything away from Tracy Charles' performance or the way that the story plans out, because there's some great uh, some. Great uh, villains in here, particularly the Salations. I loved them, uh, but yeah, 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 It's it's a good, intelligent telling of a Doctor Who story. And the thing I take away from it mostly is that Sylvester McCoy and Tracy Charles put in a great dynamic. It's um, yeah, it's a good journey to
2: go on. I think it is the 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 Klein trilogy and also the story that precedes at Colditz. I would really strongly urge anyone who's interested in the Klein trilogy to go and check out Colditz first because. While it's not a necessary listen, paradoxically I think it's a really necessary listen if you want to fully get the whole Klein e- experience because Colditz on its own is is a really, really good story and it also deals with the concept of time paradoxes and time travel mm. and really that's, I think for me to a certain extent, that, that's what Doctor is all about, um, paradoxes with time. That's makes some of the most interesting stories Doctor Who has to offer. Um, Colditz has it in spades, so does Architects of History. Um, but throughout all these stories, it has that one central character of Klein, who has to make all these incredible decisions that affect not only herself but everyone around her, because it's it's her decisions that shape the timeline.
3: Yeah, her entire universe, definitely.
2: So, yeah, so please, please go, go and give the Klein Trilogy a, a listen. It's available from the Big Finish website at bigfinish.com, available to purchase via old-fashioned CD or this newfangled download thing. Um, it, it's 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 a really, really good listen, and uh, please check out all four stories. All right, up next, my interview with John Ainsworth and Alex Mallison, two of the uh, fantastic guys involved with these Klein trilogy releases and also many of the other things that you hear when you uh, subscribe to Big Finish so it was my great pleasure to talk to them recently specifically about the Klein trilogy but uh, certainly a uh, celebration of all their work uh, with Big Finish so uh, over to that. And you're listening to The Doctor Who Podcast. It's my great pleasure to have in the studio today John Ainsworth and Alex Mallison, who are in one form or another involved with some of the audios that we're interested in talking about today. The, I suppose what's called unofficially or officially the Big Finish Klein Trilogy of audios, which has which was released a few months ago from those fantastic bods at Big Finish. Um, hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Well, I I suppose I was a bit vague there with with what you actually do with these audios because you you seem to have so many fingers and so many pies. Perhaps, um, John, if you start first and just tell us, um, what are you involved with?
0: Okay. well, I mean, the reason we have so many fingers and so many pies is we are quite a small team. So none of us really has just one single job, really, I suppose. It's, you know, producing every big Finnish doctor who is very much a team effort with us all sort of clubbing in together, really. Mm. Um, for the Klein trilogy, I was, uh, well, David Richardson is the is the the producer of the series and he uh, asked me to be involved as a uh, script editor, because normally Al- Alan Barnes is a script editor for the, the monthly ongoing Doctor Whos, um, but uh, he and Nick Briggs occasionally need a little bit of extra time to work on things like the, the Eighth Doctor uh, series, which is separate, so they have quite a heavy workload, so for the past couple of years, they sort of had a trilogy off, if you like, and mm. um, last, year, last year's was the Key to Time trilogy, uh, and this year's was the, the, what became the Klein trilogy. So that's how I became involved. So I, I suppose I sort of took Alan's place for these three, uh, three plays, and we knew we were going to do three Sylvester McCoys, uh, but not... Not with Ace and Hex; uh, they were being saved for later. So basically, we had the Seventh Doctor on his own, and um, and David said, "Would I like to come in as script editor?" And, and what ideas did I have for what we could do? And uh, and that's when I immediately thought of Klein, uh, really. And I was going to direct all three of them as well, um, but for for various other reasons, Lisa Barrowman directed the first one. Uh, and then I directed the the second two plays.
2: It really sounds like there was, I suppose, some sort of year long master plan. I suppose that um, that that we had the Sylvester McCoy Doctor travelling on his own, and then the idea came up: let's let's bring back Klein. So, I mean, by now all, all of our listeners are very well educated in who this Klein character is. Um, that yeah. she she was introduced way back. I mean, even right back towards the beginning of the um, Big Finish range in the audio coldits. And yeah. um, her her fate was, I suppose, left kind of hanging there. You know, I, I suppose, perfect for a sequel, or as has turned out to be a a series of sequels.
0: Yes, exactly. I mean, I was well aware of that. I mean, I'd heard it, and um, it clearly is set up for her, her to potentially come back, um, very clearly. And I, and from what Steve Lyons, who wrote Colditz and created Klein, has told me that that was certainly talked about at the time with Gary Russell, who was then producer of uh, the Doctor Who audios. Um, but for one reason or another it, it didn't happen, you know, um, but every now and again, well, fairly regularly actually, you know, people would be on the forums saying, oh, I wish they'd bring back Klein, she was great. And uh, so I was very well aware of that. So I, I thought, although I've sort of been credited with the idea of saying, oh, let's bring back Klein and, and what a genius I am, I am for thinking of that. In fact, <laughs> it was actually to me a very obvious thing to do really. And I was sort of surprised it hadn't really been done before
2: so Alex let's get you closer to the microphone mate um, what hello. What, is, wh- hello what is your involvement <laughs> with 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 these range of audios tell the listeners all about yourself
5: um I'm prim- I was primarily employed on the graphic design side uh, I've been providing covers for a while now uh, and uh, bits of advertising um, I've also turned up at the recordings to take cast photos so and that's kind of so being there at the at the recordings gives me an appreciation of, of what goes on and they've've they've finally They've let me loose behind the mic, <laughs> uh, which so that's that's a new that's a new adventure. That's that was terrifying at first. I mean, I still had the terror when I first took photos because I was meeting childhood heroes and mm. every now and then off autofocus and make some terrible mistakes. But so there's a new kind of terror associated with being in front of the <laughs> mic. But it, keeps you, it keeps
0: you interested in, and you, in you, what you, you do. You've done various forms of grunting for the client trilogy. Once, you? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it's
5: it's they've been breaking me in gently. It's been mainly monosyllabic. Uh, uh, grunting. So uh, I've been graduating to dialogue, but uh, but initially it was it was the mute Abraham in uh, a thousand tiny wings, which which was which was great. It was lovely to be be part of. And also I've I've turned in the the uh, three covers uh, for the Klein trilogy as well.
2: Yeah, because your name does seem to crop up quite a lot when you look at the credits for these uh, big finish audios. I mean, it really sounds like to me they keep you in a cupboard and just wheel you out <laughs> every day and go right. We need Alex to do a voice. Quick, get him out of the cupboard. Quick. It's it, that's fair enough. Yeah,
5: I'm uh, I'm I'm there on cue. If, uh, if you need shouting, <laughs> screaming, falling downstairs, that's uh,
2: yeah, it really sounds like with bringing Klein back that it, it was just sort of deemed as a really cool and good idea to do that, that that because we had this character left dangling from way back at, at the beginning of the Big Finish audios, bringing her back what sort of ideas maybe didn't make it to the table or, or was, or was there always a clear
0: vision of how this Klein trilogy was going to flow? Oh, well, that's interesting. I'm trying to think if there was anything that really didn't happen. Um, I think the, uh, we had a reasonably good idea. I mean, Steve, we involved Steve Lyons at a, a very early stage because, um, obviously he created the character and wrote Colditz and i mean to be honest we're not actually obligated to get his permission um, we could just have, you know could have just used the character but i didn't really feel that was fair and and of course his input was um, welcome so although steve actually only wrote one of the three scripts the final one architects of history he actually was involved in uh, the evolution of the you know, what we'd do with the character over all three plays and he actually um after several conversations with me Produced a document, sort of saying this is what should happen in the first one, this is what should happen in the second one, and this is what should happen in the third one. Um, And then he elected to to write the third one because he felt that was the most complicated one, which it was. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I mean, we we wanted it to start off quite sort of small, um, and and sort of get get bigger and bigger. So you know, the first one is that very sort of self-contained, you know, a group of women in a house in in Kenya. Uh, and then by the time you get to Architects of History, you know whole empires are toppling and times changing. You know, so we wanted that sort of sense of progression to get, be getting more and more more exciting. We wanted her to go on a sort of personal journey as as, as well. In that, we wanted to see the Doctor attempting to because um, you really have by the end of the first one. You, you the Doctor feels lumbered with her. He can't leave her behind because he fears she may be, do too much damage uh, to, to time. Mm. Um, he doesn't really want to travel around in the TARDIS um, with a Nazi, um, but he has no choice. He doesn't know where he's going to put her. But he thinks he's an optimist and an idealist, and he believes that possibly he could, you know, uh, make her see the light, really, I suppose, change her perspective, which is certainly what he's trying to do when he takes her off in the travels and when, what we where we see him in um, Survival of the Fittest. Is someone um, shooting at you? I'm afraid it's the, <laughs> <laughs> Flat above me uh, is the washing machine is going <laughs>
2: is
0: <it> really bad? <laughs> I was worried I thought there might have
2: been gunfire happening in your street or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I, it, it's, um, it's the the um, trilogy of audios really fascinated me because I, I suppose, was certain said, I walked in with a preconception that I knew the way Climb was in Colditz and I was expecting three audios. Pretty much like cold it's where was she where she would be the devious conniving double crossing triple crossing person but it, it was fascinating listening to a thousand tiny wings and you're just waiting for the shoe to drop but it really doesn't during that adventure it's like you're saying um the doctor takes on this i, I, I suppose case i suppose you know this um poor person who i thinks he has visions that he he can change in some way for the better and even during the second one survival of the fittest it really isn't till the end that we finally see her as she really is and then that of course leads into the whole stuff with architects of history it's a like like i say it's it's an incredibly fascinating journey for that character
0: yes and i i think one of the things i was keen to do is it was treading this fine line between i wanted it to be clear that Nazis are people too, you know, that, I mean, yes, she may have an abhorrent ideology that she uh, believes in, but that doesn't mean she isn't capable of falling in love, uh, you know, hadn't, you know and, and the fact, you know, the doctor, has, because of the doctor, she, her whole life has gone, you know, the people she cared about, um, you know, so that is going to affect someone, whatever you mm. believe in, mm. you know, and, you know, and although I didn't necessarily want the audience to be sympathetic to her, or to what she believed in, I I did want them to realise that, you know, she wasn't a robot, she's not completely emotionless, you know, Mm -hmm. the things happen in her life that, you know, that do um, impact on the way she behaves and why she does what she does. I mean, I think what, you know, her sort of anger towards the Doctor is completely understandable, and I I hope that comes across really, you know. Um, And the Doctor does feel bad about it as well, you know, he's... Because you know a whole timeline that should never have come into existence mm-hmm. did because of him. Really,
5: it's. But I like the way he stays. He stays kind of conflicted right till the end of the story. I'm not going to go into the, the end. Although I think a lot of people have heard it by now. But he, he that, that ambiguity of her character stays, all the way through. He can never really, fall on one side or the other with her because he sees he sees both sides. It's complicated. And I, I enjoyed it
0: because of that. No, there's no the right solution is what
2: no that's right because i mean i think the doctor's got sort of more things on his plate in terms of the ramifications of having this woman around and you know what what could happen here if she was let loose on any world i suppose um just just not earth but um it it's an interesting thing you say that you're one of the things you were trying to do with the audios was saying well nazis are real people too which i, I suppose can make some some people laugh really that if it's just sort of makes yeah, me even sort of...
0: <laughs> uh, but Yeah, yeah, but but it's true, isn't it? You know, I mean, I mean, Hitler fell in love. whether we like it or not. Well, true, true.
2: But it, I suppose, it's a fine line too with with the audience that you can end up splitting um, your your listeners, and and that's probably a good thing because conflict and not really being sure about the way you think about a character can can often work to the benefit that you might necessarily agree. With what yourself as the writer or the director or the actress is trying to portray, but it's making you think, which which I think is often a lot yeah. better than just saying yes, I did enjoy
0: that audio. Yes, I, I think what we wanted it wasn't we didn't want it to be black and white. I thought I thought I think why I was so excited about bringing Klein back was that she was she had a very different and interesting motivation than say a lot of other Doctor Who villains. She didn't want to rule the universe, or or, or even if she did, not for not for the usual reasons, (laughs) you see Mm. what I mean, Mm. uh, an interesting Mm. motivation, and I thought that would be, that was really interesting to explore, and to show that, you know, things weren't black and white, and and that's why it is, you feel a bit awkward and difficult and conflicted, because it's not sort of, you know, she's not like, she isn't like a Dalek, really, and you just think these, you know, eradicate her and get rid of her, you know, She's a real person.
2: Alex, um, I, I was looking through the credits there and I did notice that, that you did the voices for the carrion in Survival of the Fittest and, and the wonderful Salation yes. soldiers from the, the Arctic history. And, and I must say, it was those two voices that I, I really, really enjoyed in these audios. I mean, they were wonderfully realized aliens. They just weren't, you know, sort of carbon copies of a Sideman or a Dalek. They, they really sounded like their own separate, unique race. It was fantastic.
5: They were fun, and it's, and I can't take the credit for for the salations. I was I think I was uh I was third ranked in there after uh, Chris Porter and David Dobson. Uh, um, David Dobson, yeah. thank you. And um, so so yeah, I got to be uh I got to be a junior grunt uh, with my grunting, but uh, but yeah, no, the um the insects I was I was excited about because I, I find insects fascinating, but, but especially the I mean, you know that, that their culture comes to life mm. in that story is great but but the the, the lightness of t- it was lovely listening to the the actress Hannah and evie evie playing yeah. um playing the two uh rose and, and Lily. Lily yeah uh, because of that, that that lack of guile they, they provided that that truth in in this insect society that that meant that the doctor responded to so well and which Klein was immediately able to turn against them mm. uh, was was great I, I love being monsters anyway and creatures <laughs> yeah. and and non non-human in there it's fascinating.
2: So, what did um, what what sort of input did uh, Tracy Child, who played Klein, have into the audio? Or
0: was was she pretty much happy with what you saw on the page and said, "This is fantastic"? Yes, she was. I mean, she, she was very enthusiastic, and um, I mean, she didn't have any input in terms of in advance of saying this is what she wanted to happen to the character of the story. Um, and I suppose in that sense, she, I think she was very pleased with what we gave her. Um, I think possibly it was more than she expected, actually, uh, in, in a way. But she, she knew the character backwards. I mean, more or less on the first day, she was sitting down and explaining to Sylvester what exactly had happened in Colditz because it is quite complicated. But she knew it all exactly. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, even after all this time. So I, I don't know if she'd actually sort of sat down and listened to it again to revi- revise and what she'd done eight years ago. But she knew it very well indeed. And, uh, and I think she, she responded very well to the, we did the one episode story, on the Survival of the Fittest release, um, Klein's Story, which um, I think she really enjoyed that because it yeah. gave her a chance to have this little love affair um, and, and find out exactly what had happened prior to Cold Dips, uh, which she really enjoyed. She was great. Have you been
2: privy to any of the uh, fan reaction to these stories at all?
0: Well, yeah. We've uh, we've been looking at our own forum on the Big Finish site as well as the, the other Doctor Who forums and some reviews, and it's been extremely positive on all three, actually. The whole trilogy has been... Very successful, I think, which is um, gratifying, you know. And, um, yeah, we couldn't be more pleased, really. So, uh, yeah, what can I say?
2: (laughs) One question I want to ask you, I suppose it might be a little bit of left field. Who do you think the Big Finish audios are created for? Um, And and I'm coming from whether they're created for a Doctor Who fan or are they created to get in as many casual listeners as possible?
0: I think we'd like... Obviously, welcome the casual listeners, but I think it uh, it is slightly geared more towards the, I suppose the the older Doctor Who fan, because I think there are, I mean, obviously we are we are using the the classic Doctors as they're called anyway, so you know, already it's sort of a little bit sort of you know set in the past in that sense. So I think it's definitely trying to appeal to the audience of the people who watched those Doctors at the time. Having said that, I think all of his work on it, Nick Allen, you know, Dode, me and Alex, we would like to think that someone you know, who had never really heard one before uh, could pick one up and, and you know, catch on to what's going on. Um, I mean, even the Klein ones, you know, even though it's a trilogy, you know, I, I think you could still listen to, to one, one of them. I mean, that's sort of one of the reasons why we did that first episode, uh, that, that one episode story of the Klein trilogy, was so that some, if someone hadn't listened to Cold It's they could still listen to the trilogy and understand what had happened in cold and why climb was behaving the way she was i mean that was very much the thought behind that one
5: I mean, i'm really glad to be involved because i i i mean i started listening to big finish when i when i was working in video games and, and spending a lot of time on the computer so i've been very lucky in that i've i'm, I'm a fan of, of classic doctor who i grew up with sylvester on the telly and um and now i'm working for big finish so from from my point of view it's it's the line between the, the producers and the and the fans of this is blurred um, and and I hope it's kind of we're as much I hope everyone's as much trying to entertain and and uh, and and kind of intrigue themselves. Um, yes, I think Nick Briggs well. has
0: said that before that he's really he's making what sort of excites and he enjoys yeah and and therefore you hope that other people with a similar love and affection for doctor who will feel the same way about it and i agree with that
5: yeah there's the there's the monty python adage they were only ever out to make themselves laugh and i I think that's that's when the most honest and the best
2: yeah
5: uh the best things come from that
2: well i must congratulate you and all involved with this uh, trilogy um i I think it's been one of the most engrossing series of big finish audios that i've listened to for quite some time and uh my my hat goes off to both of you. Thank you very much. Well, I'm Cheers. glad you enjoyed it. So what's what's next on the plate of John Ainsworth for um, Big Finish?
0: Well, we're just about to do the 11th season of Benny Summerfield uh, audio dramas. 11
2: uh, seasons. My goodness. Yes, <laughs>
0: um, And we are actually going to record the first two on this Monday and Tuesday, which is actually why Alex is with me here today as well, because we're, we're doing a little bit of last-minute script conferencing. And Alex will be playing some parts in it as well. Excellent, <laughs> uh, excellent. Uh, and in fact, actually, this is quite, it's quite an important um, season for Benny because uh, there's been a very long-running story arc with um, Braxy Hotel, um, played by Miles Richardson. and He's been um, doing strange things for a long time, manipulating people, mili- manipulating time, a little bit like Klein in a way, I suppose. Hmm. And it's ne- we've never really known what, he, what he's up to and why. Um, but we're about to find out.
2: This That's year will reveal all Hey, Season 11 is the big one for the uh, Benny audios. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wonderful bit of sizzle there, John. Thank you very much. Um, okay, well, thank, again, thank, thank you very much for uh, having a chat to me today. And and, and I hope the listeners, uh, if they already haven't, will we'll dive in and check out the uh, Klein Trilogy, which you can get at uh, bigfinish.com. Thank you, John. Thank you, Alex.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a great interview. I think I've learned quite quite a lot there, actually. I mean, it's always interesting to hear about uh, how Big Finish put these things together, because they are so complete. Was it was a fun mm. interview to do?
2: Mm. It was. I mean, they're a really, really nice chap to talk to. I mean, we um, talked talk for quite a long time when we weren't recording, and uh, yeah, I, I think I could have sat there all day chatting to them about Big Finish. Uh, great to talk to them, and uh, hope to talk to them in the future when they do some more. Fantastic big finish release to so say yeah.
3: Cool. We we have got some good stuff coming up actually. It's probably worth just mentioning that we've got some really good interviews um, for when the season's over, when Matt's when uh, when the season finale is aired uh, in the downtime between the seasons and the Christmas special. We've got some really good stuff lined up. We have uh, some interviews from. Some quite high-profile writers and some other things Ooh. to look... And some uh, some old characters and actors. We've got some stuff easy to look forward to, I think.
2: Definitely. Oh, I tell you, we're, we're going to keep your ears busy even when Matt Smith isn't dancing around on our screen. So, yeah, good stuff. So,
3: thank you for joining us for this latest episode of the Doctor Who podcast. Join us in the coming week where we'll continue to review the television series that's currently airing. And until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Trev. Bye-bye. Take it easy. See you soon. That was The Doctor
1: Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.